Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think we all like needed to take a beat there. We were all we like, did. oh, good, we're hey. live. Then there was like a second. It, it, got very like heat. it got very heated there in the pre-show. Uh, it did. It did. Yeah. You all missed a lot. We were talking about some pretty deep stuff. Ryan killed a guy yeah. with a trident. Yeah. I don't even know where hey, he got you it. Know, you know, yeah. you know, you know, when someone tells you to use your blinker on the highway, you use your freaking blinker on the highway. When you don't, tridents fly out of other cars and into yours. It just happens. The cop believe me. Let's talk about movies. Huh. This is Kenny from my brain. If you want to talk movies, well, guess what? Hey everyone, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we're going to start our award season coverage with Devin's pick, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, which won big at the Golden Globes, which we'll talk about later. Um, But before we get into that three and a half hour long movie that Devin made us watch. Uh, we're going to talk about wow. things that we watched in pop culture over the last week. So different TV, I think it's a lot of TV shows. And yeah. I think, I think Ryan's Ryan had a movie in there too, but we're going to talk about yeah. some shows that ended <laughs> uh, some shows that just came out that I watched all of in a weekend. It was a weird wow. weekend guys. Um, I watched a lot of TV. Right. Um, yeah. But we're going to start off with a show that Devin and I have talked about on the show before. Uh, the Curse with Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone, and Benny Soft- Softy on Showtime, Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus with Showtime, like whatever they're, they're calling it now. Uh, this is the A24 show. We're going to we're going to we're going to spoil the finale. I think so if, if you have, have it, or I, I think we're, I'm going to give us a minute to talk about the finale. Um, Devin, I, I know this is impromptu, but um, I think we should both give, give very bizarre situations uh, that happen in the finale and have Ryan pick out which one is real. <laughs> wait, wait, don't tell me. Okay. Yes. Fine. Fine. Uh, yeah, exactly. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Um, I'm going to talk about the fact that this show ends with the main character uh, pretty much as a helium balloon. He wakes up in the morning. He's stuck to the ceiling. He can't come down. Uh, he makes it outside of the house and somebody tries to help him down. And then he gets stuck in a tree flying up. So he has to hang on to the tree. And then when the fire department comes in and cuts down the branch, he floats off into space. That's that's scenario one of what happens at the end of the curse. Devin, what is the other thing that happened in the finale of the curse? The other thing that happened in the finale of the curse is that I'm going to say that they end up selling the majority of their houses that they were kind of pitching the whole time and have a guest spot on a major news kind of corporation. It goes pretty well but their marriage doesn't quite survive the celebrity that they were able to obtain. Ryan, which of those do you think is the actual scenario of how the curse ended? Alan, even though I really like yours and I really hope it does end that way, I've got to go with Devin. It's Uh, it's mine. (laughs) That's the finale. Yeah. Dead fucking serious. That is the finale of the show. Completely unprompted. Um, Magic now happens. Yeah. Yep. Unprompted, completely out of nowhere. Very bizarre. Created a new phobia for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. The whole time I was like, don't leave the house. Don't leave the house. Just don't leave the house. And he did it. And I was so mad at him the whole time. 
I I'm I am going like I found the I thought of the perfect meme for the end of that show, which is just him floating off into space. I'm gonna put the Superman fly off music from the end of the Christopher <laughs> Reeve mu- movies. <laughs> it's such a weird finale, and yeah. I it's open to interpretation, I guess, but it's so bizarre. I got to give him credit for it. Like it, it's not what I expected yeah. that finale to be. Well, cause the thing is nothing up into the show at this point has dab- dabbled in either that level of extended metaphor or that level of overt magic. At yeah. most someone says, I curse you. And then things get a little bit weird, but that's really it. Yeah. So I actually, did you end up Googling what the ending means? I read, I read some articles that talk about it. Um, what did you and, get from it? I, I want to hear what your, your um, research told you. My favorite interpretation of it is uh, the curse of him has been lifted from her as she goes on to be a mother because at the same time she has, mm. has birth. So like the curse of him being around yeah. because, because like they have a frayed relationship and they're, they're like, they play it off as they're both happy at the end, but you can tell they're not. Yeah. Well, also even there. So the second to last episode, he does this like big speech, like this big, like I'm going to win you back speech. Yeah. The big, I'm going to win you back speech is super problematic. It's yeah. like kind of gaslighty, kind of controlling to the point where like when it cuts to them happily to quote unquote happily together and pregnant later, you're like, Ooh, don't love yeah. this for you guys. On Rachel Ray, like, <laughs> I loved the Rachel Ray bit though. Cause yeah. it's, it's Nathan Fielder's comedy where it's so uncomfortable because they're yeah. like on Rachel Ray through zoom and they're never, almost never yeah. acknowledged the whole time. I, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the curse, but I just, I wanted to play that game with Ryan and I'm, yeah, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I got the points. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Ryan. So, um, next we have, uh, where is it? There we go. Uh, I watched a movie on Hulu called Self-Reliance. This is written and directed by Jake Johnson, who plays Peter B. Parker in the Amazing Sp- or the Spider-Verse movies. Uh, nice. he, he was on New Girl. It stars him and Anna Kendrick. Uh, and speaking of games, it's, it's about a guy who plays a game on the dark web where he has to survive for 30 days. Uh, and if he survives for 30 days, he gets a million dollars. But people will be hunting. People will be hunting him down. Uh, and there will be productions, production ninjas following him to document it for the show. Uh, so he 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 tells his family about this because he, he finds a loophole of as long as I'm not alone, they can't kill me. Like if somebody is with me and is there present with me, they can't kill me because somebody will be a witness. So as long as he's not alone at all, he can survive and win. Um but none of his family believes him. Like, like huh. they don't, they don't believe that the show's real. So he has to like hire a homeless guy to follow him. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a quirky, fun comedy. Uh, it's him. It's Anna Kendrick. Uh, Andy Samberg plays himself. Like he, the way he's introduced to the show is Andy Samberg just pulls up in a limo. And is like, Hey, he's like, are you Andy Samberg? Yeah. Get in. I want to talk to you about something. And that's his introduction <laughs> to the show. Uh, it, for a first first uh, directorial debut feature film from Jake Johnson, I really enjoyed it. I like Jake Johnson. I like some of the work he's done. I liked him on New Girl. I need to check out his podcast because everyone has a podcast now. Yep. Um, says the guy with two podcasts. Uh, <laughs> but I, I thought this was a fun watch on Hulu that I recommend to you guys. Um, yeah. Have you guys heard of this at all? Never. I didn't even know this existed. I- I saw the trailer for it and I forgot what the name of it was. So when you were describing it, I was like, oh, yeah, the homeless guy in the kitchen window <laughs> yeah. from the trailer. And that, yeah, it does look funny. Isn't there a movie kind of like this, too? Uh, not this one, obviously. Isn't there another like guy plays game on dark web movie that Ryan made us watch? Huh? Probably. It's a, hor- it's a horror movie. I'm thinking like a genuine horror movie. Maybe I saw it in theaters. I'll come up with it at some point. Yeah. It's, it's just randomly. We'll be talking about Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, I know it. And we'll just, it like, will, exactly. I haven't made you guys watch anything for the on that yet. Okay. Yeah, there's a few. Yet. You were there. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Uh, then we had Ryan. You watched the Vavitch. Okay, so um, it is called Witch. Uh, the reason why there are two V's is because in the 1630s, when this movie was set, the the letter W was not in wide circulation, so people would just connect, would just do two V's for 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 a W. Kristen and I were talking about that ourselves, so I looked it up. So a little bit of anyway um i stayed away slow like i'm not a big fan of like slow burn movies and people have to drag me into them uh -oh. um devin um uh -oh. Uh -oh. so uh uh so kristen saw this a while ago she told me that she thought i'd like it and i'm like okay yeah and then it just sat on the back burner for like years um i watched it last night i really like it okay it is it is uh, it is that actresses, and I cannot remember her name at the moment. Um, Taylor Joy. It is. Anya Taylor her, Joy. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is her like, like, first big thing that she ever did. Um, and after watching it, like, I could definitely see why she has the career she has now because of this. If anyone else hasn't been wanting to watch it because it just looks silly from the trailers, it is not silly, and it's on the list for you guys. I'm sorry. That's fine. I would have to uh, say to Alan because we, Devin, you've seen it or no? Seen it. Love this movie. Yeah, uh, happy to watch. I mean, if it if we can tie it into Furiosa when that comes out later this year, go for it. Oh shoot! Yeah. Synergy. Right. Furiosa, the the Mad Max movie that she's in. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, Devin, or no? I want. So I spent a lot of time this weekend watching TV shows. The first one I want to talk about is the TED series on Peacock. Oh, right. Guys, do you like the Ted movies? They're fine. We saw it. We saw one together. We did I see like one together. One. I, I have like told that. that I have told that. St have we told that story on the show? I think we have. Okay. Uh, Devin and I uh, ended up seeing that movie after selling something. Now, I don't know how we came across. We sold like a a bottle of wine to somebody. We found it. it was like yeah. the world's worst video game. Like we stumbled upon a bottle of wine after all the liquor stores were closed and then sold what was probably a $5 bottle of wine to someone for like 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. And, where then, else we, are you gonna get and then we took that money to go see Ted and yep. it was worth it. Uh, <laughs> this is the prequel show that takes place in the nineties. So there's a lot of nineties jokes and Ted goes to school, which is not a, a big plot thread of the show like he's there but it's not really like every episode is like him in class doing different things like they do a lot of fun stuff with this with this show um it, it, and it feels like just live action family guy which which i'm here for i'm okay with that uh it's a lot of fun there's some great jokes in there um yeah i think devin i think this is right up your alley you know, I didn't know it took place in the 90s. I figured it was, like, after Mark Wahlberg give, had given up on Ted, he, like, was, th was Thunder Buddies with someone else. I didn't know that this was, like, a no, prequel in the 90s. No, this is the prequel. It's the same character that Mark Wahlberg plays. Um, oh, wow. So, Seth MacFarlane's back. They recast the parents because it's not Alex Borsino or Ralph Garman. It's, uh... Um, P uh, everyone from the Orville is in this, <laughs> except oh, for, weird. like... Okay. yeah. Uh, so every he got a bunch of people from the Orville to come in. Uh, there's some voices from Family Guy that you get to see in live action. Like, oh, that's that's what that face looks like. Okay, that's not what I expected. Wait, um, is H. John Benjamin in this? No, but um, Dang it. Mike Henry is. Who played? Who played? Who played Cle Cleveland? Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, they don't get like any of the main cast of Family a Family Guy. It's just like the side characters. Hey, that's still cool though. Yeah. Um, no, if you if you like the uh, the Ted films, this is worth a watch. It's very funny. Okay. Um, Sold. The other series that I purposely binge watched this weekend. I did not set out to watch all of Ted, but I knew I had to watch all of uh, all of this show because I have the poster behind me. I watched Echo, Marvel's Echo, on Disney Plus. Um, this is the spinoff of Hawkeye and Daredevil. Yeah. And Daredevil. I'll say it. Yeah. 
this deals with uh, Maya Lopez and her relationship with her her real family that lives in Oklahoma and her adoptive uncle, Kingpin Wilson Fisk. Um, I like this, guys. This is a lot. This is a lot of interesting things that Marvel's do. like one of the more interesting Marvel things of recent uh, of of their recent stuff. This is the most interesting interesting thing that they've done. I have one singular Marvel show in me. Do okay. I pick this or Loki season two? Have you is that a really tough call? It depends on what you're looking for. Loki okay. season two is very complicated. Uh, and you have to pay attention to watch it. Okay. Echo is very short. It's five episodes. You do oh, wow. not have to have committed to watching Hawkeye or three seasons oh. of Daredevil to understand anything that goes on on this show. If you've never watched anything Marvel related before, you can watch Echo and it will you will get a complete story. It is very standalone. It's what they're calling now. Marvel spotlight, which is they're going to take characters and tell stories that are like picking up a comic book and reading it front to back and get having a a self-contained story, knowing who Wilson Fisk is and knowing who Kingpin is and who Daredevil is outside of this. Like if you watch all three seasons of Daredevil before this uh, or watch the season three finale of Daredevil and then go right into Echo, you get a little bit more out of it. There's a little bit more context, but this story itself is very self-contained. They give you every beat that you need to know from Hawkeye. Even uh, wow. it's, it's very much like reading a comic book. That's cool. I feel like that was the promise of the Marvel movie, the Marvel TV shows when they first announced them. And it only took them 10 to get there. That's crazy. 10. One division, one division, uh, Falcon, winter soldier, Ms. Marvel, moon Knight, Loki, Secret Invasion, What If, what am I missing? She-Hulk. What are you missing? What am I missing? There's got to be another one. I mean, that's seven. Did you, did you say oh, Hawkeye? That's, that's, eight, that's eight. Hawkeye, I didn't say Hawkeye. That's nine. That's nine. And then... I mean, this is ten, right? Yeah, yeah, this is ten. Yeah. That's insane. I, I'm impressed that I got that right. Like well off the cuff, yeah. Proud of you. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend this. It, they released it all at once, so it was an easy binge. Um, nice. And made for a very interesting double feature because I watched this and then right went right into the movie that we're talking about tonight. Why do you do this? <laughs> I I don't know, but what's 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 strange is there's some cast overlap because both deal with Native American themes and Native American families. Um, so Maya Lopez's grandmother in Echo is Lily Gladstone's mother in Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's cool. So it was, it was very, um, very interesting double feature. So, Ryan, any interest in this show? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Maybe, possibly. Okay. The fact that it's standalone, there's more of a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, there's yeah. that. It, and if you're a big fan of Daredevil and you like uh, Charlie Cox's interpretation of Matt Murdock and, and Daredevil, you get one of those. And oh, it's not, cool. And it's not the one who's going to be in court. Um, ah, that's cool. So, but I, I, I will say that I will say this till the end of time. I think Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk is probably the best casting Marvel has ever done. Um, because he nails the character and brings something to it. He's terrifying, but he's also charming when he needs to be, um, my wife claims that he is the hero throughout all of Daredevil and wants Charlie Co- wants Matt Murdock and everyone else to lose. Uh, and I tease her for it. But I was like, you know, like, I get it. Like, he's very charismatic. Yeah. Um, and that poster, like that poster just looks so good. It's a good poster. Um, but yeah, that's that's everything for we watched it. 
watch this this week. Uh, we're going to get into today's main topic, the uh, Martin Scorsese film Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. Devin, this is your pick because um, you wanted to start off our Oscars or, or award season. We can't say Oscars yet because the Oscars haven't announced their um, nominations yet. It's probably going to be one of them, though. Probably. If I'll be surprised if it isn't. Mm-hmm. But go ahead and take it away. So I picked this movie. So obviously Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, came out last year officially. Um, I picked this movie, as Alan said, because I really liked when we did kind of the Oscars watch leading up to the Oscars. I felt like I got introduced to movies that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. So I almost broke format a little bit with this one because I hadn't seen it until now. So this was actually my first watch. Now, I'm going to be honest, going into this movie, before I had decided that this is kind of the direction I wanted to take my podcast or the podcast in or my episode in, I didn't think I was going to get to watch this. I had a feeling this was going to be a bit like The Irishman, where like I had heard it's a good movie. It probably won some awards. I also heard it was like three and a half hours long. It's just going to sail right past me, and I'll just take everyone's word for it that it's good. But I, you know, I, I said it for last week, and I'm glad that we had done it. I can't wait to hear your guys' opinions on it. But I think what I'm interested in a little bit before this, before we dig into what you thought of the movie itself, was this movie an inevitable watch for either of you? Because it certainly wasn't for me, and I'm glad I forced myself to do it. Alan, would you have watched this? Yes. Yeah? There when this came out on street, like to rent, I almost mm-hmm. watched it. But that was also the same weekend that um, five nights at Freddy's came out and I watched that at home. And, and I, I thought to myself, like I will watch five night at Freddy's at home, but I will do better than just watch killers of the flower moon on my, on my CRT TV. Uh, like, like it's on VHS. <laughs> like uh, it deserves it deserves more than that. So I, I waited until it was on Apple TV Plus, um, and watched it in the comfort of my own home on my hundred inch screen projector. Brag about it. That's yeah. incredible. Oh, so. Ryan, I think I know your answer to this, but was this one inevitable watch for you, or would you have not have gone near this movie had it not been for today? I wouldn't have. No, this was no. not, and no. It was not. <laughs> well, the the other thing that I forgot to mention in my answer, um, is like, I work I work with a lot of film students who want opinions on things. So like when it like I already pushed myself to watch as many of the Oscar things as I could. Uh, yeah. This was probably high up on that list, so I could be part of those conversations. So that makes total sense. Then yeah. I mean, I I don't have a lot of people aside from you that ask me my opinion on movies. Everyone knows I do this. Everyone knows I do this. And everyone just goes, we know you have opinions on movies. Let's talk about anything else. Yeah. I go, okay. And I just move on. So with that in mind, what was your opinion of this movie? Let's start with Alan. I'll just keep going around this circle. We'll start okay. with Alan. We'll go to Ryan and I'll give mine. I, it's a Scorsese movie. It, it, it follows the same pattern as Goodfellas and like it. <clears throat> Scorsese knows how to make a good movie. Um, he knows how to tell a story. He knows how to keep your interest for three and a half hours. Um, I feel like at, at a certain point he realized how long it was going and had to make it make decisions. And I'm not sure if I like those decisions that he made. Um, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. I feel like there, there are great performances in this. I think the story does itself a disservice by focusing on the point of view that the film focuses on. It was an interesting choice, wasn't it? Because I don't think it's the more interesting of the, the two sides. We Um, we need to talk about that after we get to the opinions because it's really interesting. Yeah. That that's my, I I think the performances are great. I think Lily, Lily Gladstone is wonderful in this. Uh, De Niro is playing the same character he plays in every Scorsese movie. Uh, 
DiCaprio is playing the same character he plays in every Scorsese movie. Um, it's weird that this is the first time that they've been together in a Scorsese joint. This so, is the first time. Yeah. I just assumed they were in several of them together. Yeah, no. Um, wow. But yeah, awesome. that that's my opinion. What did you think, Ryan? This is the one I, I'm really excited for your opinion on this one. It I'm was ask a follow up question too, by the way. It was frustratingly mm-hmm. great. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. For more reasons than it just being a good movie, uh, I did re- I did some research. Re- re- yeah. Research, research. Um, after after I watched it, um, because I watched this in parts, which we will talk about that later. Um, and I don't know when it comes to the beats of the story. I don't know how this could be any more historically accurate. Yeah, we'll we'll have to Which talk is about where that the later. frustrating part comes in for me. Did you want it to be like really inaccurate? No. Um I'll just say it. The reason yeah, why I was it. gonna bypass this movie was because I saw the trailer. And yeah. there is a lot of crap that's happened in this country's history that is pretty much buried. This being one of them. And I know that stuff like this happened. And when I see that there's movies like this, expect and know, and it makes me more frustrated and mad. Sure. Yeah. I can see that. What's frustrating to me, because I think we're we're talking about it now, is we should. We focus on the DiCaprio and the the De Niro part of it more than we focus on the Lily Gladstone side of it. And the film tries to put DiCaprio in the middle, but it's also like very hard to see him as the tor- see him as torn because he's still going out and doing these things for De Niro and against his wife's family. And it, it's very hard to see him as being torn because it doesn't portray him that way. Like he, he's doing his, what he thinks is his job and it's, it doesn't make it very sympathetic. And I think the film tries to. I, I, I agree. So I feel like when picking a point of view character, because the book, this is based on by David Grant, the book, this is based on does focus primarily on uh, Ernest Burkhart and Molly Burkhart. Leo and Lily Gladstone's character does focus primarily on them, mostly because everything centers around that family, and it ends yeah. up centering around the family because of Nera's character, William Hale. So that's, I, I feel like, what Scorsese wanted to show was, look at this kind of, I, I almost got kind of dumb in in Leonardo DiCaprio's case. He's kind of a dumb person that like loves someone but is being manipulated by his uncle and has to somehow reconcile those two things, but doesn't have like the mental like capacity to like play 40 chess with everyone with it and get what he wants in the end. He's just kind of being pulled in two directions. But I don't, I don't, one of the biggest criticisms I've seen about this movie was the fact that it's taken the perspective of Leonardo DiCaprio and it's not taking the perspective of any of the Osage people essentially. Mm -hmm. You get some of Lily Gladstone's perspective, but mostly it's look at these terrible things or look at us talk about doing these terrible things. And I don't... That's pretty much what I... Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think that the main character of every movie has to be the hero. And I think Scorsese does that very well. Mm -hmm. um, Jordan Belfort in Wolf of Wall Street's not a hero. Um... Henry Hill and Goodfellas definitely not the hero, and I, 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 I so I guess that's Scorsese's trademark. Uh, Hugo and Hero not the hero. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, I haven't seen Hugo in years. I can't I can't back that up. But <laughs> I was like um, bold statement. Yeah, bold statement. Um, I, I so for for a Scorsese film, it, it it's exactly what you expect it to be. It's going to tell you 
the the story of this horrible person and the horrible deeds that they did and give you bits and pieces of the people that were affected by that but so it, I, I, yeah. I, I I'd be more interested in seeing the Osage side of this but it would be ju- just, e- yeah. it would be equally as frustrating because it's to be historically accurate the whole thing is is frustrating well, I was just going to say, if you were to pick uh, who, if you were Scorsese, you were starting kind of from ground one, you knew this was a story, who would you have picked as your main character? Because I think that I would have chosen Lily Gladstone as the main character, uh, or Molly Burkhart as, as the main character of this, mostly because she doesn't know until a couple of kind of key moments in the story. And then I would like turn to Roman and go, she knows, I know she knows. And I feel like watching her uncover the mystery was something mm-hmm. that I wanted. Where, like, in some ways, I was like, like they had a little bit of the who done it. And actually, uh, Scorsese was on record by saying, "This isn't a who done it; it's a who didn't done it." So it's like everyone's involved in this. Yeah. And there were times when I wanted it to be more of a mystery, but Scorsese was just like, "Oh no, here's Leonardo DiCaprio doing it." And I'm like, "Yeah, ah! yeah." If you're only paying half attention to it, it could come across as a whodunit, but yeah. it, it it doesn't. So um, yeah, yeah. Who would you have picked as the lead, though, uh, Ryan? You first, then. To be uh, to to be honest, I actually like the way that it was done. Did you? Um, because when it comes to the Osage people, Oh shoot! I think we lost him. Yeah, I think we lost him too. Oof. Um. All right. While he's uh, while he's getting himself back, who would you have picked, Alan? Uh, I would have picked every character Martin Scorsese plays in this thing because he's in it like five times. So, I caught him once. Who else was he? He was the voice of a photographer in DC at one point. Oh, was he? Yeah, he had a few voice cameos. He's got that. He's got that voice that reminds me of like my my uh, great uncles growing up. That, that's very Italian American. Um, so like, he, I I think I would have liked this more if he didn't put himself in it as much as he did. <laughs> did that really distract? It did. It did. No one Scorsese was in it as like whenever he popped up like. And like we we can talk about the the ending of the movie then uh, as yeah, a separate yeah, thing. Um, there's Ryan, uh, but yeah, like I I looking at it through this perspective of a Scorsese film like Goodfellas or mm-hmm. um, Wolf of Wall Street, I think it makes sense for the character folk the main character to to be the the, the main focus to be on DiCaprio. But I would. I would have liked this movie more as a, um, as a whodunit. Like, I think it would have been yeah. a, a bit more of an interesting, it would have been a completely different film. Um, mm-hmm. but it, the idea of that is interesting to me. Right. So yeah. where we lost you, you had said, knowing what you do about the Osage people, what were you going to say there? That it was almost like he made the entire tribe of people into one character. Yeah. And so it, it just wasn't her and her sisters. It was the entire tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this movie gets its message across better with it being very in your face, like what's going on and how it was done. Um, and pretty much how the only way that it stopped was for the very newly made FBI to get involved. This was their first case, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, so that's something else that I read. Um, mm-hmm. And so w- when it comes to, like, how to borrow, you know, Special Victims Unit, how heinous this whole thing was. Yeah. Um, and lost them again. Yeah. So, speaking of how heinous this was, though, Alan, this, and I think Ryan might have been driving to this point, uh, they're cut oh, there out. There you go. You're back. So, like, 
this guy this guy had to go to this museum and he was like hey why is it in this like in some of these pictures they're yeah. they're like cut out and they explained well that's because it's this guy and he learned the whole story and his jaw dropped like this actually happened yeah um and i feel like to get the message it needs to get across like kind of like shockingly it needs to be very blunt and very face forward for um what they were trying to do with it i mean a definitely a who done it would have been good um but when it comes to a who done it when it comes to a who done it i I'm afraid that at the end of the movie, you would get a lot of like heist type movie montages of people explaining how everything actually happened. <laughs> Here's and I feel like that would have been, and I feel like that would have kind of taken away from like the seriousness of the whole thing. But the for me, the ending still takes away from the seriousness of it because you go on for three hours and twenty some minutes, and then all of a sudden, radio play. And that completely took me out of what was happening. I would have much rather, I'd much rather seen just title cards of what happened to the characters mm. than have Martin Scorsese come on and read her obituary, which, which is a nice tribute in thought, but it, for the film, for the story that they're telling, it just felt so forced. Like, Oh, we got to wrap this up because we can't make this a four hour movie. Apple said, no, <laughs> so that's such a it's an interesting take because as somebody who's we watched this for last week was literally a murder mystery podcast yeah i feel like he was talking to me in that moment where like that was that moment where i went oh okay america's always kind of been interested in stuff like this and there's never been a radio drama like this because we covered it up because of who it's about <laughs> For for me though, like if you're gonna end it with a radio drama, start it with a radio drama. Make that part of the story the whole way through. That's fair. Okay. It just feels so random and forced, and tr I I think it is trying to tie into the true crime audience a bit at the end, mm -hmm. but it's it it's not framed in a way that that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair, because you're right. Like, it really does come out of nowhere that that happens, and it... Yeah, I guess you're right. It doesn't... Th there's nothing leading up to that that says this is where this is going to go. Yeah. And I guess I can see where that would be a little bit totally weird. Yeah. That's fair. Why do you think... Do you really think that it just did it because it was... Like we have to wrap the movie up, and this is the most I, way I, to do it. I, I I think it's the it's probably the cleanest way to end the movie because there's so many threads going at that point, and you have to wrap up where they are. It's a little bit it's a little bit more interesting than just title cards with them in court and like uh, the piano exit to Layla playing uh, like in Goodfellas, <laughs> but it's not like. It, it just didn't work for me. I get what he was trying to do. It just didn't work. We lost Ryan completely. Yeah, he's just Give gone me a now. second here. There we go. So. So I want to know, I mean, from basically back to front on this movie, I learned something almost the entire yeah. way. And like it, not even just from like, and, and even like reading a little bit afterwards, like that the Osage were moved to a land that had oil to the fact that they even knew they knew that there was oil there before they got forcibly moved to there anyway they did that on purpose but then like how they were treated i mean even even things like when they like when they like diagnosed them with like diabetes and then like insulin treatment happened roman and i turned to each other and went they had that back then yeah it, and like it... i was shocked this isn't something I've talked about on the show before, but being diabetic, it was kind of weird seeing what the treatment was for the disease then. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I don't have to take insulin or anything, but I have to watch my sugar and watch mm -hmm. like try to stay active. So my sugar levels are 
Agreed. I take medicine for it, but it's it was weird. Like, I don't, I don't, didn't really think of it as something that would have been around then, but it totally is. Right. Um, which was very interesting to see it in, just in film in general, because like you'll see like Family Guy make jokes about it, but the, I think the only other film that I've seen diabetes play a part in is um, Steel Magnolias. Which, oh right. Yeah, which is. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that well, in like, years. So, and like to deal with it, like with this genuine amount of seriousness too, mm-hmm. I thought was really, really good. Cause I didn't know that the real difference in it was the diet that like, they like historically were not used to the diet that, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and the rest of the, the, the rest of the white men basically brought into them and basically forced on them. Yeah. And that literally was killing them. Like, that's crazy to me. Ryan, now that you're back, did you learn anything while watching this movie? Because I was telling Alan, I learned something literally every, like, there wasn't an hour that went by in this movie that I didn't learn at least two things. Well, I looked up the brand of car that was mentioned, uh, the Arrows. <laughs> I looked that up. Um, and so, I, uh, so I looked that up. Um, in the St. Louis area, when I was growing up, there was a lot of uh, uh, there were a lot of uh, museums dedicated to the uh, in- indigenous in this country. Um, yeah. And then there's the famous like St. Louis Pyramid uh, that's on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River that I was at several times for like field trips. So I already knew about you know like kind of what happened to uh the different tribes that were around that area which the osage was one of them mm-hmm. um but i didn't know that they got to oklahoma that part i didn't know like mm-hmm. i knew they went to kansas i thought that's where they stayed um apparently not uh, <laughs> uh and after reading the source material that I did after watching the movie, the fact that she has diabetes was kind of an amazing thing to kind of see like, yeah. Hey, like she's one of like the first people to like try out this medicine. Like that's yeah, kind of cool. She was like one of five people. Like that's yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. And it just kills me. The fact that he was, did you, did you look up what he was doing to it? Like the fact that he was then poisoning her with it. Just yeah. Like, uh, surprisingly enough, me. Uh, uh, surprisingly enough, um, the article that I keep on referencing that I'm talking about was actually in Teen Vogue. (laughs) Believe it or not, someone in Teen Vogue, like, deep-dived into the question, because I googled, like, historical accuracies in Killer of the Flower Moon, and literally the third thing that came up that wasn't an ad was this article, and the and the tagline was, you know, like, in, you know, like the um, historical accuracies of the movie. So I clicked on it. I'm reading on it. And it's really detailed and it's really, yeah. really, really well done. And then I got down to the bottom and it says, like, you know, the person's name, you know, reporter at Teen Vogue. I'm like, what? So I scrolled all the way back up to the top of the article and it's Teen Vogue. <laughs> it's Teen Vogue. Those journalism <laughs> interns, man, they'll just take any job they can and just run with it. I I, oh, I I like to think, and you can't convince me otherwise, but I like to think that Ryan had to buy a subscription to Teen Vogue so he could read that article. Look, man, it's all right. Hey, if 20 you have years it. ago, I would have had to. 20 years ago. <laughs> um, 20 years ago, it would have been like the weird fashion kid in high school that would have like barked in the back of class. I know about Power Moon. <laughs> everyone just looks back and goes, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, did you catch the one mistake that I caught in the movie? No. I it, I figured of the three of us, you would be the one to catch this. Uh, at one point, uh, Ernest directs his friend Blackie Thompson to steal his Buick Coupe. Yeah. But as he's kind of running away from the police, you can see the Chevy kind of like bow tie on it. And, and I was like, like you, you said Buick, right? Yeah, it's a Buick Coupe is what he's supposed to have stolen. That's what, like, Leo's character says he's stealing. And there's a Chevy, like, logo on I it. I don't know at what point Buick became part of the Chevy umbrella. Uh... Um, <laughs> I know now, and has been for a very long time, Buick yeah. 
also with Cadillac, was Chevy's, like, premium line of vehicles. Okay, okay. Now, so, the car he was driving, was it the red one? Because I forget. Yeah, the red one. Yeah, it was still the red one. Okay. How many times can I fall asleep before we end this conversation? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alan, it's in the movie. It's important to the storyline. I know. You are a movie person. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Um, uh, what do you guys think of De Niro as the villain in this? It fits. I always, always, always love the, like, Gustavo Frigg-esque, like, I am a pillar of this community, but secretly the worst one here character. Wilson Fisk. Is that, like, is that Wilson it's Fisk? It's pretty, pretty much how Wilson Fisk portrays himself, how, how D'Onofrio portrays him in uh, Daredevil and in Echo. Like, he, he doesn't see himself as the bad guy. Maybe I um, will watch and Echo then. Neither does my wife. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he... Yeah, it, it's very, like, man-behind-the-curtain type stuff. And yeah, um, yeah. So, I think of the three that are listed on the poster, Lily Gladstone definitely gets nominated. Yeah, for for best actress at the Oscars. Do you see De, no- De Niro and DiCaprio getting nominated for this or not? DiCaprio. You think DiCaprio? Yeah, because what was that movie, Alan, that you had us watch where DiCaprio was in it and he was playing an actor and like that kid like talked him up oh, to um, like do like a really good cowboy scene? The uh, Once Upon a time, time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that scene where he like really nails it as an actor finally for like the first time in his career. Um, <laughs> that's all I could see throughout this entire movie. <laughs> um, so not and, and, and to be honest I'm, I'm really trying not to be funny here like I'm being serious no. like I've seen a lot of his stuff and as far as I'm concerned if someone were to ask me like give me roles that you think that he absolutely nailed and it and it would be once 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 upon a time in Hollywood mm. and this one I wouldn't put one over the other but I would definitely list these two I haven't seen a lot of what he's done. I've seen like the major things he's done, so that's where that's coming from. Have you for, seen the one he actually won an award for? The what Reverend. Did he actually won an award for the Reverend, the one where he kills a bear. Wasn't there someone else in a movie where they kill a bear? Yeah, Liam Neeson. Yeah, that one. Liam Neeson was in it. Yeah. See, so I, I never watched that one because I saw the. And there you figure they're the same. Yeah. Liam Neeson and uh, Hannibal. They were both in that one together, right? Because there's another movie with the actor who plays Hannibal. Like Hannibal Hannibal Lecter? Hannibal Lecter, yeah. Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, like he's in... He's in a wilderness-type movie like that, too. And I think it might be alongside one of the Baldwin brothers. Um, where they do that thing where, like, they're, like, lost in the woods and, but, like, they hate each other, and so, like, to to get, um, to get, uh, he has to get Baldwin back, even though he hates him because he married his daughter and all this other stuff. Devin, you have the movie? You think of 1997's classic The Edge, starring Anthony Hopkins, Alex Baldwin, and Bart the Bear. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. See, I, I saw Bart. it when I was a kid. So whenever I see movies of like some middle-aged guy dressed in black in the woods and has to survive, I just like I've already seen. You're like I did it. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so we we I've only seen that movie once. We teased this earlier, but we haven't talked about it. Uh, how many times? Did it, how many sittings did it take for you guys to watch this? Like, how many times did you have to stop it and then go back to it? Mm. So Romana and I made a bet with ourselves. We didn't want to watch this movie when we watched it. We wanted to play Baldur's Gate 3. But we're like, you know what? This is a long movie. I have to make some progress. Let's watch one hour. And then we turn the movie off and we play Baldur's Gate. And didn't we sit through the whole thing? Any breaks at all? None. Not even a one. Just 
glued to the seat, ready okay. to go. It was that captivating. Mm-hmm. I paused it once to go pick up. I, I got new headphones. So I had to go get those uh, nice. from the porch. And I needed a bathroom break and mm-hmm. uh, just a breather. So I took like a 15-minute intermission about about halfway through. Around the time the FBI shows up, I think, is when I took took nice. my break. So um, that's 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 how I viewed it. Ryan, how about you? So I was trying to go for three showings because I because I was expecting me to be frustrated if being three and a half hours long, it being slow, and I'm like, I, I can only do three, I can only do like one hour chunks of this, and I put it on. Nine o'clock became ten o'clock, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm actually liking this. Ah. I'll watch another hour and I'll go to bed at eleven. And I'm like, okay, so I watched it till eleven. And no, it was nine thirty. It was like nine forty-five that I started it. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop watching until like around midnight because I realized wow. how late it was, and I'm like, I have to get to bed for work. Like, I, I I can't do this. So I had like fifty-one minutes left of the movie to watch the next day, and 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 then I watched The Witch right after because I needed a, a, a um a palate cleanser, and oh boy, that was an that was a very interesting palate cleanser. <laughs> so very... right. I so I love this because we, with, with the exception of me, we both had a bit of a break in the movie. And I actually had a conversation earlier this week with somebody that said that if you take a break in a movie like that, it ruins the emotional punch once you've come back to it because you're not in the movie as much as you would have been had you sat through the whole thing. What do you guys think about that? For me... I was just captivated when I went back. Where, yeah? I I think Mm -hmm. it depends on the situation. Like, if you're distracted enough that you can walk away from a movie and then come back to it later and, and... not care as much like I feel like you weren't that as invested to begin with for me if I'm sitting at a movie and like really have to go to the bathroom and to the point where it's distracting it takes me out of the movie so I'd much rather take a break step away for a second come back go go take care of what I gotta do get a glass of water and come back and then get back into it then like just suffer through it. Then you're not distracted. Yeah. Then I'm not distracted. Like I, I can, I can take a breather, come back into it. Um, I, I think it all depends on the situation, but I, I'm totally somebody who can step away from a movie for a minute. Um, but there's also times where I, if I get dist- like if I get a phone call during something that I'm very invested in, it, it throws me off. And yeah, like that, that, so I get, I see both sides of it, but I think, there are instances where you, if you go into it knowing like, okay, there's going to be a point in this three and a half hour long movie that I'm going to need to take a bathroom break. I'll find a good tr- scene transition and pause it there. I'm not going to pause mid mid sentence. Going to find a stopping point. Like, okay, we can pause it there, uh, and then go on. Like, if you look at Titanic, like anybody who watched Titanic for the first time at home, does that take you out of the movie when you have to put in the second VHS tape? Like. I, I I feel like longer movies are entitled to an intermission. It's just a matter of how you respect that. It's really interesting because in Dutch cinemas, the ones that aren't like inter- also international, the ones that are specifically Dutch owned, every single movie has an intermission built into it. Every hmm. one of them, regardless of length, has that 15 minute intermission. So and- like a short 10 minute film. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what they do with short films, but I think it's over an hour long before that 15-minute intermission okay. in there. And, like, that, I I think that would frustrate me so much as a moviegoer. Yeah. But I know some yeah. people there that love it. Like, they, they don't want to sit through an hour-and-a-half movie or a two-hour movie. They want that 15 minutes in the middle. I, I, I feel like something like this that is very... Um, very... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Very melancholy and very uh, frustrating and, and, and sad. Like I feel like it, it's more inclined to a intermission in a in a break, whereas something like Oppenheimer, where you're building the tension and building up to that that bomb dropping, and, and the music is there to to drive that point home, and you're building the tension and building and building and building. 
I think if you were taking an admission in that, like before the bomb drops, like that's doing a disservice to the film. Yeah. I think if you take a break after that, like at, like we've all seen Oppenheimer, right? No. S- spoilers. They blow up a bomb. Uh, what? I think if you get to that, get to the point of the movie where the, the bomb goes off, then you can pause it. Like then you can step away yeah. for a minute and get a drink of water and then come back to it and know that everything has changed from that point on because it's building to that, that point. I, I think it all depends on the situation and the person. Yeah. yeah Cause I've and the film emotional story beats not hit for me. Like even if I was watching it the whole time, just cause I'm either not into the movie or I didn't connect with the movie in some way. Yeah. And I've had emotional story beats hit with me after taking a two day long break. Yeah. So you, you mentioned something I wanted to bring up quick and it's, was this movie at times a hard watch for you guys? Cause for me, it was a mix of the brutality of what they showed sometimes. And, and it didn't feel like a horror movie in its presentation. Like sometimes in a horror movie, especially if you get into like the saw genre, it almost gets a little bit proud of the gore that it's able to show. And in this movie, there was some gore, but it felt almost like respectfully done. Like, Hey, this happened. We have to show this to show you how bad this was. Was it hard for you guys? It was brutal, but I think it was brutal for for realism. I think being brutal yeah. for for theatric the, the, to be theatrical is one thing, like the Saw yeah. movies. But to be to keep it real, like to keep the realism of it, I think it needed to be that brutal. Yeah, I mean, you you, you don't get. The trauma that the sisters went through, you don't really understand unless you get the scene where they're doing the autopsy of her sister right there by the oh, I That blew me away. That scene where not only did they like discover the body and there was a pack of at least 75 well-dressed people just staring at the body, but then also like how many people were present for like the infield autopsy, which is just horrific. No, well, I mean, when you don't have Netflix or the internet, you got to find something to entertain yourself with. That's exactly what I said when that scene it, happened. It's... And it just plays into the fact that everyone kind of knows what's going on there. And it, yeah. it it's... It's almost, like, Get Out-esque. Like, you, like you're surrounded by everyone who who's a threat to you. Like, it's, it's yeah. very weird. Uh, in, like you could yeah. make this a horror movie from the little Gladstone character perspective. Yeah, Glad and you mentioned that's it. where. Oh, go ahead. And there's a they put a spotlight on that actually. Um, at the beginning of the movie, there's a uh, Gladstone looking around, and mm-hmm. it's a mixture of like you know her tribe and like the white people that have come in to like settle in the land as well. And then like the last wedding or like the last ceremony that they show her in, she's looking around and hardly anyone from the tribe there. Mm-hmm. It's all been, uh, they've been replaced and that's what, that's what they were doing. That was the whole point of this movie mm-hmm. was to show how the uh, about how all of these people knew kept their mouths shut or helped in trying to take this money away from them because they didn't because they felt that it was divinely theirs mm-hmm. yeah. and if you look back Awful. into american history i used the right terminology there you did and that's what's disgusting and uh, that's why I didn't want to watch this movie because I saw the trailer and I'm like, yep, this is exactly what this is. And I didn't want to be reminded of it again. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Devin. So no, you're welcome. <laughs> so speaking of, of the horror movie part of this, uh, one of the facts I read is that Scorsese's on record as saying his inspiration for the plotting and the, the kind of some of the filmography of the movie was Ari Aster's movies, which, Oh no. Yeah. Which like knowing that, I totally get now. So, like, this is, like, he watched, uh, oh, I can't even remember the titles anymore. Hereditary. Hereditary. Midsummer. What's the other one? Yeah, Midsummer. I can see that. I kind of see that. I can see that. That kind of makes me like it a little bit more. Yeah. 
knowing that he was aping Ari Aster <laughs> makes me very happy. Not enough for me to rewatch it. I don't have the time. Uh, no. Are you guys going to rewatch this at all? I maybe once or twice in my lifetime. I I may rewatch it, but I won't sit down and watch it top to bottom again. Are in there one any sitting. scenes that stick out though? That like you'd be like you'd point to to be like, okay, this is the best part of the movie. <sighs> I have one. If you guys okay. need some, need a second to think. Mine is at the very end. The entire time, right? I'm talking or looking at Lily Gladstone's character. I'm going, she knows. She knows. Confront Leo. She knows. Do it. And she doesn't. Almost the entire time she doesn't. Until that scene where she goes, what did you put in the insulin? Yeah. And he just goes, oh, just insulin. And then she stands up and walks away. And it's such a good... Because you, like, watch her break a little bit when she, like, when he doesn't give her an honest answer. Just after he was saying that all his truths are told. What an incredible scene. Because she doesn't need to yell at him. She doesn't need to like resort to like yeah. violence or a big showy scene. She just needs to go. Okay, stand up, walk out. You find out later they divorced. Awesome, love yeah. it. Um, anything else for Killers of the Flower Moon before we wrap this up? Um, my favorite moment isn't mm-hmm. really as powerful as like Devin's. Yeah. Um, but to me, kind of shows the attitude of 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 the townsfolk what i was talking about like just a few minutes ago mm-hmm. and it was when they were at the funeral home with with dicaprio arguing arguing over the uh, the, the cost of like the this funeral is a good scene and the funeral director stands up and he gives a little bit of a speech but he but he 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 bookends it with you you sow what you reap when was the last time you saw one of these osasia people working Mm-hmm. And that is such a mindset that people who looked like us had back then that to them, a traditional like hunting gathering life, even though that's what farmers did, they looked down on them, not just for our cultural reasons in the U.S. we had back then, but just like ethically, morally, they were geared to see people who who, uh, who they considered who didn't work a certain way yeah. and so that to me was like that's exactly what this that's exactly what they're showing that's exactly mm-hmm. the mindset people had back then and my part of my being upset about it is that the people who need to see this movie won't because of yep. the current climate we have in this country and that makes me more frustrated so that's when i said this movie is frustratingly great yeah, yeah. well and i had almost the same reaction where like I'm upset and frustrated at myself that like it takes a movie like this for me to know that this event happened because I had the same thing with the Tulsa massacre. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that happened until I watched Watchmen, which bad on me, but like, but also bad. Yeah. Also bad on history classes throughout middle school and high school for not covering that. Yeah. The same reason I think... why a lot of the civil rights movement was uh, printed in black and white pictures and not color, even though color film was widely in use by the time the civil rights move, 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 movement happened. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if it Girl. makes you feel any better, Tom Hanks didn't know about Tulsa until Watchmen either. So, Wait, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. And, oh, he, I mean, and he's Forrest Gump. He was there. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got, too. Um, yeah, that, it, the, the start of our Oscars pool stuff, uh, cause I think not next time we won't have the Oscar nominations. I don't think, I think they come out I don't the, the next week. I think they come at like the end of the month, right? Uh, they come out next week. I just don't know when, let me look it up quick, but, um, next week we're not going to be talking about Oscar stuff, uh, because next week is, is a special week here on, you have to watch this podcast because, not only is Devin's birthday on Friday, but my birthday is Wednesday when we will be going oh, live. Hey. Um, and so since it's, it's our birthday week, um, uh, Oh, the official nominees will be named on January 23rd. So not only, will, not only will it be our, our birthday week and Devin and I picking out 
something that we want to watch for our birthday. Make Ryan watch for our birthdays. Uh, we will we will do our we will be talking we will be placing our Oscar bet next week. Uh, oh, good. So we will be doing our our annual Oscar bet again. Uh, but Devin and I are going to make Ryan watch something we talked about recently on the show uh, because it's celebrating its twentieth year. Uh, we're going to be watching the pilot of Lost. The first two episodes of Lost Pilots Part 1 and 2 uh, because Devin we have to go back Devin we have to go we back. Have to back we have to go back oh, I'm um, so excited so join us here on UF the Watches podcast next week for a birthday celebration we place the Oscar bet and a whole bunch more uh, until next time you can listen to UF the Watches podcast on all major podcasting platforms Check out all the other um, Rum Runner Podcast Network podcasts uh, at rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com. You can also like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on Instagram. And if you want to hear my in-depth thoughts of Echo and uh, Marvel's What If, you can check out uh, my other show, Brilliant But Lazy, over on Victims and Villains, where uh, Josh Howell and I sat down and talked about What If and Echo over the weekend. So lots of fun things happening. Uh, in the meantime, for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you next week. Until then, make your own kind of music. And sing Aww, your own special songs.